This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.
There's a deep passion that I have, and it's from God. Um, it's the call to raise up the next generation, and I believe it has to do with all of us. It also has a lot to do with marbles. Uh, more on that in a moment. But first, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6. In this section of Scripture, Moses was standing before the people of Israel as they prepared to head into the Promised Land. It is his challenge to them as a nation and as households to be a people who follows and honors God. Deuteronomy 6, verses 1-9. through These are the commands, the decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. And Hannah, does that next slide have those verses? Guess not. Okay. Um, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and so that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I think it doesn't take much to catch the heart of raising up the next generation in this passage. 
But before we get into that, let's take a moment to examine two verses that are extremely significant to both the Jewish and the Christian religion. And that's verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These two verses are being recited in Jewish synagogues around the world this weekend. They'll be spoken in Jewish homes. They're posted on door frames in Jewish homes. They have a, if, you, if you go to a, a Jewish home where they're, where they're practicing their faith, their, um, their Orthodox or, or devout Jewish homes, you'll see on the door frame, there's a tiny little thing nailed to the side of the door frame, a little cylinder, and it's got a tiny scripture scroll uh, inside that glass cylinder, or sometimes it's like an ornate um, ceramic kind of thing. But that's called a mezuzah. Everybody say mezuzah on the count of three. One, two, three. Mezuzah. Bless you. The, it's, and it's nailed to the side of the door. It really is. And, and it's, it, it's this. It's, it's this, these words, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. And it's called, it has a name. It's called the Shema. Uh, Shema is, where does that come from? It, the answer is the very first word of these verses. Hear or listen. Uh, that's the Hebrew word for hear, listen, listen, hear. Don't miss this, people. And that's what's in those scrolls, and that's, that's what they're reciting every weekend in their synagogues. But I want to pause on this, because when you see the word hear, we might just think of a noise, you know, going in our ears, registering, and it's so much more than that. To fully understand, to shema is to listen, pay attention, and respond to. Uh, here's why I pause on this, but starting with the word Shema, Moses is saying, listen Israel, pay attention to this. The Lord is God. He's King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So Israel, because you are paying attention to this, respond by loving the Lord your God with all your being. So grab a hold of this. It's one thing to listen, but it's something more to Shema listen. And maybe, just maybe, the most important challenge you need today is to simply Shema, pay attention to, respond to. Shema, the Shema. <laughs> uh, these verses. Now let's get into the point that's really resonating with me. The call of Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9 is not only to personally live out the Shema, but also to pass it on to the next generation. Check out verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. The call is to live it out. Then verse 7, impress them on your children. Pass it on to the next generation. Moses goes a little deeper, more detailed in 7 through 9. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So look at these verses closely. There's an all-encompassing call to the people of Israel to raise up the next generation to live out the Shema. He's saying to do this all day long. And catch the win words here. When you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you get up, that's, that's when, that, and that, that encompasses pretty much all of it, Right? He's saying to do this in all settings. And where is it? It's at home, along the road. It needs to be the highest priority 
Uh, that's what he's getting at in verse 8 with the picture of having symbols on your hands, bound on your foreheads. And finally, he's saying it needs to happen while they are still under our roof. That's what he's getting at in verse 9 when he highlights our houses, our gates. And the, this, this one is a little more subtle in this passage, but there's a principle laced throughout this scripture on the importance of instilling faith during the formative years when they're still under our care. Probably the most blatant scripture that challenges toward this idea is found in Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train a child in the way they should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. You know this verse. In fact, it might be hanging in your bedroom or your bathroom or in your grandma's house. Um, We love to hold on to this verse as a promise. The reality is that we should probably grab a hold of this as a calling or, or commitment. Which finally brings me back to marbles. Now I know this jar of marbles has likely been driving you nuts a little bit. Is it one of those guessing games? Go ahead, lean over to the person next to you and guess how many marbles are in this jar. Just, just take a wild guess. So the answer is 936. If you got it, You win nothing. You should have saved that perfect guess for sometime when I was giving away a car or something like that. Um, And I know there's 936 because I counted them out myself and it took forever. Um, In fact, uh, the box of marbles I bought had a bunch of shooters, the big ones. And uh, I started just by like randomly dumping it in. They wouldn't all fit. So I had to dump it out, pull out all the shooters and then fill it up with like the little ones, and finally 936 of them would fit in here. Um, Now, here's what these marbles mean. It is approximately 936 weeks from a birth till a child graduates from high school. 936 weeks. So letting one of these marbles represent a single week, and here's a big shooter, so hopefully you can see this really nice there on the camera. Um, but letting one of these marbles represent a single week, you've got 936 of these until the child moves on. They move on to what's next. And when they move on, then our time with them in our homes every day has come to a close, right? Right? From the moment that child entered the world, the countdown started. And with each passing week, a marble comes out of the jar, as it were. Now, I know there's a limited amount of of newborns in our church, but we have a few. Um, So let's draw out this a little bit by getting a visual of some of the more significant transition ages in this 936-week span. Once kindergarten starts, we get pretty specific. It's 624 weeks uh, from the time they start kindergarten until they move on, until they graduate. Uh, This is a big shift as we run into the formative elementary school years. Then we hit the big transition into middle school. At sixth grade, you're down to 364 marbles. So this is when they transition into middle school. 364 hormonally charged marbles. (laughs) At this point, we have... Already lost two-thirds of our marbles almost, right? (laughs) And all the parents said, hey, man. And then 
when your kid walks through the doors of high school as a ninth grader, a freshman, it looks like this. You're down to 208 marbles. And then, just for you parents of high school juniors out there, consider the fact that you're down to 52 weeks as of this week right here. Um, Now, I know what you're thinking, parents and grandparents. You're thinking, well, thanks for equally depressing me and freaking me out, you big jerk. (laughs) And if you want to consistently be depressed and freaked out by this kind of thinking, I have something for you. Um, there's There's an app called ParentQ that I've told some of you about before, but it's available for Android or iPhone. Just look ParentQ, C-U-E, ParentQ. And uh, this app, you put in, it, it, boy, it's, it's a wonderful thing. You put in your children uh, into this app, and you can take a little picture of them. Um, and I don't, I don't think you're going to be able to see that on the camera. No, you're not. Um, but I put in, like, a picture of uh, my children, and it has a little, it, it has their, their picture, and then around the edge of the picture, uh, there's a little progress meter, and it shows me my sweet Laura, my oldest, she's nine years old, and the progress meter is already half gone from when she was born to when she moves on. Um, and those of you who know my daughter Laura, uh, think about that. I'm already half done with her time with us consistently, you know, all the time at home. And so if you, and, and then I've got Jack here, he's got a little more time on his meter. Andy and Johnny have exactly the same amount of time, but uh, it's about, it's uh, almost, almost a third of the way gone, even for Andy and Johnny. And so if you want to consistently be freaked out, go to the app store and look up Parent Q, and uh, you can put in your kid's information. And this is put out by uh, the Orange organization. Um, they're a Christian curriculum organization. In fact, we're doing their VBS this year. Um, and by the way, you can get signed up for VBS right now. Um, I think uh, if you go to the church website, there's a link right there. Get your kids signed up for VBS, and that's coming up. But please know, I don't want to just depress you and freak you out with this, this picture here. Um, and there's a movie that came out this weekend. Some of you remember who the skit guys are. They're a Christian comedy duo. They have a movie in theaters, and it's not here in Eldo or Nevada, but if you go to Springfield, Kansas City, whatever, uh, it's called Family Camp. And uh, it's a comedy movie about a Christian family camp. And uh, in that movie, there's this marble jar figures in, and one of the moms freaks out because she breaks the marble jar, and it's, you, you have to watch the movie. But uh, so I don't want to depress you, freak you out, give you extra stress in your life with this picture. Um, You may be thinking, you know, don't make me focus on how much time I have left. I should just be focused on the now. And this this visual of the marbles, um, that Orange organization that puts out Parent Q, uh, Reggie Joyner is the head of Orange, and he's the one that I kind of got this idea from. And uh, but his quote was this, and uh, he and if you go to the next slide there, he says, when you see how much time you have left, you tend to get serious about the time you have now. So we aren't counting down here with dread or stress. Instead, we're paying attention to the time we have left so we'll be motivated to make the countdown count. 
And this, this last item here isn't a depressing empty jar, right, for the parents of seniors graduating. Um, Crystal, I didn't, I didn't bring you an empty jar to, like, show to you. Um, I borrowed Juliet's cap this morning because this is exciting. This is, when we get to the end, it's not a depressing empty jar. This represents all these marbles that, that led to this moment of releasing and launching and all the potential that this represents. And your parenting job isn't over when your student graduates or gets a GED or whatever. Some parents have told me that parenting gets way more complicated when your student graduates. Um, it's just there's a whole lot more to sort through and, and your parenting job isn't done. But get this, the marbles disappearing isn't a depressing thing. It's time that you invested. And this weekend, we get to celebrate with many of you that, that you didn't waste that time. Praise the Lord. And parents who have graduates this weekend, I understand that when I, when I give this message, many of them were not going to be able to avoid like feelings of guilt because they'll think back and they'll think of the times when they thought, oh, I missed it there and I didn't do this right and I wish I'd done better. But you invested. And we want to celebrate with you that you did, that you didn't waste this time. Let me encourage you, this graduation cap is an exciting moment. It's a good thing. That's the goal. It's what we're going for. Now, I want to pause for a moment, make sure we're all tracking. I realize today here we've got some empty nesters, some not yet parents, singles. Those of you who are actually a part of this age group of, of these marbles in this room. And if you haven't walked out yet, those of you who are in those groups might be thinking, well, this morning is a waste of my time. Here's where you come in. You are essential to this. This is the responsibility of the family and of the church. Both. The biblical model outlined in Deuteronomy and in other places points to the home as the place where primary discipleship should be happening. And I want to just mention this quickly. You hear people say, I don't want to force my kids to choose their faith. I want them to choose it for themselves. Yes, absolutely we want them to choose it for themselves. But the book of Deuteronomy makes very, very clear that you don't just make apathy your policy on this. If you believe that there is a God who loves our children, who gave His Son to redeem them, and that He is the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him, then why wouldn't you teach your children that? And if you believe that there are many ways and it doesn't really matter, then I can get that. Let them choose their own way. But if you believe the Bible is not lying... Why wouldn't you teach them the truth? Why would you just leave it to apathy? Because apathy, the end of apathy, is selfishness. If, 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 there's no, if it doesn't matter, then we're going to choose to maximize our pleasure and minimize our pain. Right? And we'll have some law-abiding citizens who don't follow Jesus because they realize that you maximize your pleasure and minimize your pain by becoming a pretty productive member of society. But that person who gains the whole world will lose their soul. Now, I don't want to freak you out with the marbles, but I do kind of want to freak you out with this. Because if we leave apathy as our policy when the, with the way that we raise our children, they might gain the whole world and lose their soul. 
Is that what we want for our children? But I believe that that this is meant to be a partnership between the home and the church. It's both and. And when I see this partnership fully functioning, it's a beautiful thing. We have some volunteers who serve uh, supper to the kids on Wednesday nights. We've got volunteers who teach, who um, work with uh, youth group uh, students. We've got uh, some of you would be scared to death to be a youth leader. Um, And some of you would be, would say, you know, I'm too old to teach kids or or to be a youth leader. Um, And, you know, you, you might, you might actually be, but uh, I doubt it. Um, Our best youth leader, and I've said this for years, way better than me, is uh, Miss Sherry Bruggeman. And uh, she is, um, I'm not going to tell you how old she is. She's a little over 29. Um, But, but she, she is our best youth leader as far as like, interacting with students, um, getting students who are just bitter and angry and hostile to open up. Um, she's absolutely the best one we have. And she's been doing this for years and years. She's been doing this for decades. Um, but when, when we see that the church and the family partnering together and this fully functioning, it's a beautiful thing. However, there can be moments when the investment is not taking place at home. In these moments, the church has the opportunity to play its normal role, plus take on more of the role that the family should be having, but for whatever reason is not performing. I've seen multiple times in my two decades here where the church stepped in and discipled a young person when for whatever reason the family was unable to or were not interested in doing that. I've seen a beautiful thing happen where kids and students may be a little wild. They may create discipline problems while they're here at church, but they came back every week because they loved being here. And for a few of them, this church was about the only safe place they had in their lives. Their school classrooms were okay, usually pretty decent, but not always. And the places they had to go home to were not places you'd want any kid you cared about to have to go. And I've seen the church be a family to kids and teenagers like that. And even though it was messy, and even though they didn't always have a perfect record, many of those kids are following Jesus today because the body of Christ was the beautiful thing Jesus wanted us to be. And whether it's present in the home or not, you, all of you, whether you're an empty nester, a single, uh, married without kids so far, all of us have a role in this. It's, it's, it's something that we do together. In the world of children and youth ministry, there's this thing known as the five to one ratio. And the idea is, whether it's a weekly program or retreat event, to have one adult leader present for every five kids, five teenagers. The general thought is that this ratio gives good coverage to the kids and ensures that nothing gets burnt down, Right? Chap Clark is a man, he's a great youth ministry mind and and professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, and he challenges this ratio. Um, And we still think this ratio works pretty good as far as like handling events, right? Like VBS, you know, things, events. But what if we flip this ratio? What if we were to seek to get five caring adults to invest in the spiritual journey of one kid? 
Let me take it even a step further. What if moms and dads in this church were able to confidently identify five individuals intentionally investing in their child's journey through every step of the journey? There's only one way that can happen. There's some great mentors in our community that come in the form of our educators and our coaches, teachers and coaches, right? Some of them are great mentors. And several of them really love Jesus and want to guide kids. But in the context of their school teaching and coaching, they have some limitations on what they can do and say when it comes to a spiritual investment in the context of the school system. And so many of them also invest in kids here because it's a, it's a place where those shackles are kind of released and they can be as open as they want to be about their faith. But this, this church is a place where all of us can fully and unapologetically focus in on our kids' journey with Jesus. So, empty nester, single adult, married with no kids, or even like upperclassman student. What if you were one of the five in the life of one of our amazing kids? Zero to 18 years old. And this finally brings me to those of you in this room who are in this marbles area of your life. If you are zero to 18, raise your hand real quick. Come on, you're zero to 18, raise your hand. Lots of them in this room. So, let me talk to you for a minute. First, you are amazing most of the time. Um, I love working with you most of the time. And, but I am not, I'm not fearful about your future, those of you in this age group. Uh, this, you know, again, I don't want this to be a freakout thing. I'm not afraid of your future. I'm excited. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so hopeful for you. And if I could throw in one challenge to you in this, it's be willing to be invested in. Let people show you love. The truth is that a willing heart is a game changer. As I've walked with a lot of students over my time at this church, I've noticed a trend. Those students who seek out and surround themselves with those who care about their journey with Jesus are the ones who excel in their faith during their next phase in life. You can seek after a lot of things. Popularity. Um, grades or athletic success or just selfishness, uh, things that make you feel good in the moment. But what if you sought instead to surround yourself with people who are going to help you learn to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength? So what? Where do we go from here? This is for every single one of us. Let's shema the shema. Let's hear and listen Let's not just be a church that hears the call of God to love Him with all our being. Let's be a church who listens, pays attention, responds to this call in every area of our lives. Second, I'm thinking mainly of parents on this one. Let's make the countdown count. I don't want to depress you with the marbles thing. If it's going to make you stressed out, forget about the marbles thing. But do think about this. What changes in my priorities do I know I need to make for the benefit of my family and my kids but I'm just, there's some reason that I haven't made them yet. When I get to fill in the blank point, then I'll make these changes in my priorities. When I have this much money saved, then we'll finally make, you know, following Jesus a priority, whatever it is. Whatever that delay is for you, what's holding you back? Don't postpone the changes in your family's priorities you know you need to make. 
I've seen dads decide to go all in on following Jesus and get their priorities right after their kids are down to just a few dozen marbles. And that makes a difference in their kids' lives. And when, when they get their lives right with Jesus, even you know, with a high school senior or whatever, that does make a difference. But what if you didn't postpone that decision? What if you made the countdown count starting today, wherever you are in this, parents? Whatever's holding you back, let's attack that. Do you need to forgive someone who did you wrong? You need to talk to a pastor or talk to a counselor about something that's got you stuck somehow? Don't wait. Don't postpone that decision. And third, I'm mainly thinking of those who are not parents or grandparents. Let's invest in the next generation. I'm so grateful for those of you who do that in an official volunteer role here at our church. We have all kinds of opportunities. There's, they vary in style and commitment level. But you can also simply start getting intentional with some of the relationships that are already present in your life. I was thinking this week about, um, don't want to embarrass him, but uh, Richard Johnston sitting right over here. He doesn't have kids, but man, does he make an impact on, on kids every week on Wednesday nights. He drives vans. He helps carry stuff. He cleans and he like plays with kids and kids love. Man, what, what an investment he's making. He doesn't have kids. He's not to that stage of life right now, but what an investment he's making and what, a, what an impact he's making. And then uh, I, could, I could just start naming names of, of many of you who make such an impact every week with our kids by just taking the opportunities that are right there in front of you. And finally, I'm thinking mainly of families on this one. Let's identify the five. The five people. Students, what if you sat down with your parents and come up with five people who could intentionally invest in your spiritual journey? And here's a hint, like start with your parents probably, right? That's, that's some of the five. And what if you actually approach these people and let them know you're willing to be invested in? And bottom line this morning, when you see how much time you have left, you tend to get serious about the time you have now. And may we be a church who will shema the shema as we make the countdown count. Um, we're going to move into our baptism time, but really quickly, would we, could we have everyone stand? And if you volunteer with kids, teenagers, serving food, However you volunteer serving the next generation in our church, any of you, I'd like to have you just come up here in the front and stand and uh, have the church pray over you um, before we move into our time of baptism. So would you stand, please? And all those volunteers, if you would just come right up here to the front. And church, let's pray over these volunteers together, okay? And like I said, serving in an official volunteer role is, is one way to serve. There are many of you who serve in other ways as well. But let's pray over those, these volunteers here, and then we get to move into a time of celebrating, baptism, uh, those who have chosen to follow Jesus today. Heavenly Father, we thank you that it's not all up to us, that your Holy Spirit is walking alongside us. Because if we had to control the lives of our kids and make them be good, we couldn't possibly have any hope of doing that. But with your Spirit working alongside us and with your church, the body of Christ, walking with us, 
there is hope that we can raise our kids to be those who follow Jesus. And we know they're not perfect. They're never going to be perfect. But God, I pray in the name of Jesus over the kids and teenagers in this room today that they would decide to follow you and forget about everything else. No going back. They grab onto you for dear life and never let go. That they would love you more than they love anything. Jesus, I pray for the volunteers represented here that you would give them just a lift and an encouragement that they would have joy as they serve um, these, the, these in the next generation. God, would you help them to have wisdom every week as they serve? Help them to know that it's you that they're working with and that they would just feel Jesus right alongside them as they serve these uh, kids and teenagers. Jesus, thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Pastor Joe. You may be seated. Thank you so much, Jim. That was so powerful. Really stirred me. You may be seated. Um, Just um, as we kind of transition, I want to say, I guess, without taking away from what Jim has said, that's why we're involved in ministry to our young people to be able to disciple them. And it is messy. Wednesday night, I discovered a hole in the wall. I don't know how it happened, but I thank God for that hole. Don't go making holes in this building, but I thank God that we have young people here that sometimes do mar and scar the building, but it's about uh, seeing hearts change, and it is messy. At times on Wednesday night, I understand why some young eat, why some animals eat their young. I understand that perfectly and think, why didn't we do that earlier? But but God has called us to this. Let's not blow it. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Tessie, for just your great work. Let's give them a hand. They're just amazing people. We are going to uh, proceed with the presentation of our baptismal candidates. Tessie, if you would come and uh, kick us off, please. This morning, I am honored to present Briley Bolting House as a candidate for baptism. Over the last few years, Briley has grown in her faith in God as she has served and attended Kids Church. This um, last February, we attended um, a conference called Superstart. Um, There were five adults and about 14 students that went with our group, and Briley was one of them. And during that conference, I could tell that God was really drawing her heart towards him. And um, she was beginning to really search and question. And um, when we returned from that trip, she continued to serve and to seek. And a few weeks ago in youth group, she decided she was ready. It was time. And she went forward and asked Jesus to be her Savior. And... um, And this just reminds me of a passage in Jeremiah that I would like to read for you. Um, Jeremiah 29.11 is one that we read often. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But these verses continue, and I think are even more powerful. And they say, Then you will call upon me 
and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And that's exactly what Briley has done. She has looked for the Lord, and she has found him. And so I present her today for baptism. This morning, I have the special privilege to present Anna Elizabeth Watkins for baptism. As your father, I have prayed that this day would come. Anna, my heart is full of joy today as I get to witness you making this decision to follow Jesus. We read in Romans three twenty-three that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Several months ago, Anna started asking questions about baptism. She's seen friends, relatives come to know Jesus and to make that decision to proclaim that Jesus is their Lord and Savior and be baptized. Anna realized her need for a Savior she began to see that being good is not what saves you. She asked Jesus into her heart and has continued to grow in her understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. John 3.16 is a verse that Anna holds dear to her heart. This verse offers hope and victory for those who believe. And in a few minutes, you will get to hear her words of what God has promised. We know that in Acts 2.38, that Peter tells everyone to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Today, I have some exciting news. Miss Anna Elizabeth Watkins is ready to proclaim Jesus as her Lord and Savior and be baptized. Anna, I present you today. It's uh, a really high honor to present Lexi Rash for baptism today. Um, Lexi started coming to youth group not too long ago. And just personally, this is kind of a crazy honor because Lexi is the first one that I remember anyway, and my memory is a little faulty. But Lexi's the first one I remember who is the child of a former youth group member that I had in youth group um, long ago. So... Um, that 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 kind of blew my mind, and like we had to take a selfie at youth group and everything. Um, Lexi was about nine or ten when she real like when she fully started processing like I need to follow Jesus, like where it wasn't just a yeah let's do the church thing, but I need to follow Jesus. And Lexi is uh, she is just a light to everybody around her. Um, she's just a wonderful young lady, and we're really glad that she started coming to youth group and, and being around, but we're so proud and, and glad that she has decided to follow Jesus, and today I get to present her for baptism. It's Lexi Rash.
Anna, Briley, Lexi, you ready? Let's do this. I'm going to call our music team up here, and we will go prepare for baptism right now. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com, or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.